You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast, a podcast for people who want to learn more about their personal finances and get the most from their money. This series is hosted by Kate Campbell from How To Money and Owen Raskovich from Rask Finance. The Australian Finance Podcast is provided for educational purposes only. The information is general in nature and does not take into account your needs, goals or objectives. What that means is the information does not apply to you specifically. So consider getting the advice of a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information. Hi, Owen. Welcome back to the Australian Finance Podcast. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for having me. (laughs) What are we talking about in today's episode? Uh, So today we wanted to talk about the differences between saving and investing, Mm -hmm. um, investing myths, and why cash isn't king. Why cash isn't king. That sounds like a very bold statement. Yes. But I like the sound of this. We're starting to get the first few episodes were like the the, the veggies yeah. now we're getting to like the meat we're getting like we've we're getting into the good stuff yeah so now you you smashed out your debt you've got your budget sorted out you've got your emergency fund and now you're ready to think about investing yeah we're talking about the things that you can do with your money rather than the things like you know trying to save it all yeah so why don't we kick on why are saving and investing not the same thing yeah, so generally savings account, which is probably what you've got your emergency fund in right now, you're just earning interest from the bank, whatever they're paying you, maybe mm-hmm. that's 2%, maybe 3%. So you're just earning money from from that and that's generally because the bank's lending out your money to home loans and things like that. So mm-hmm. they're paying you a an interest to sort of say thank you for letting us use your money. Um, but then when, when it comes to investing, you're actually putting your capital at risk in in majority of cases, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and you're hoping to get a return that's generally greater than bank interest, which is sort of a phrase you want to go, oh, is it better than bank interest? Yeah, okay, that's an interesting way to put it, and that's I think yeah, you're right. The way I distinguish between the two is risk. Yeah. So you, if you're putting your money in a savings account, and we'll get to the types of savings or the, the types of institutions. Yes. That can provide. Uh, government guaranteed savings account in Australia, and then that, that's that's there's no there's virtually no risk. 
there. But then on the other side, we have risk when it comes to investing. There's the mm. risk that you might lose your money. There's the risk that it might go down and stay down or go up and never go up past a certain point. There's lots of different types of risk. Yeah. So I th- think if it's got risk, it's an investment. If it's not, it's probably savings. Yeah. And it's important to know the difference. Okay, so I've just alluded to this thing called an institution, which is just a fancy word for like a company or organization. You raised an important point before when we we're talking about this off air that there's a thing called an ADI in Australia. And this is particularly important now in Australia because we're seeing these new little banks pop up everywhere. So yeah. can you explain what an ADI is? Yeah, so an ADI is an authorised deposit-taking institution, so a term coined by the government. Mm-hmm. So essentially the government and APRA, which is the... Regulator. Sort of the banking regulator have agreed to say that this bank or what it, it could be a credit union or a mutual uh, is an institution that can protect your money and if if for some reason it all goes wrong we will ensure i don't know if it's called insurance but it's pretty much thing. the same thing yeah we will protect your money up to $250,000 across any institution in that particular bank yep so some of the banks do have multiple branches, uh, so you always got to watch out for that. But essentially, it's so the government's protecting you. So it's always really important that if you're going to put your money in a savings account, so where you're putting your emergency fund, you've checked the fine print and you've gone onto the government website, which we'll link to, to check that the organisation is an authorised deposit-taking institution. Because if it's not, um, they're not supposed to be calling themselves a bank and your money might not be protected by the government if the organisation goes under. Mm. I think I could be mistaken, but I believe this rule came in about this $250,000 per customer per bank or whatever it was. That came in during the global financial crisis of 2008, 2009, mm. because the government wanted to prevent what we call a run on the banks, which is effectively where everyone's just crapped their pants, for yeah. lack of a better phrase, and they've gone to the bank and say, I want my money because I want to put it in a jar and bury it in the backyard or I want to put it under my mattress. Yeah. And the government's like, whoa, whoa, it's okay. Yeah, so- Everything's fine. We're going to insure the banks. Yeah, so it's essentially the government giving you some security in the financial system in terms of where you're putting that hard-earned cash. And also to say it, you don't really need to put it under the mattress, we'll protect it mm. up to a certain limit uh, if you put it in a authorised deposit-taking institution. And it's also it's important to note, as we have some neobanks popping up in Australia, that's sort of the term for an online new bank that's using fully digital operating systems and no customer-facing stores, uh, some of them don't yet have their licenses. So it's really important to just check that before you put your money with them or get any financial products, that if you are looking for an authorised deposit-taking institution, you read the fine print and go onto the government website just to check. Yeah, for sure. And so now we're going to zoom out a bit and talk about the benefit of investing and what it isn't. And so for people that are new to investing, you know really how to think about it because I think my experience with investing is that there's a lot of people, there are a lot of people that think that investing is probably a very, very risky thing to do or it's somehow like gambling or there's plenty of reasons not to do it. Mm. And, you know, that could be just the source of your information Yeah, <laughs> oftentimes, but there are plenty of things. But I suppose the bigger picture is the more risk you take, typically this is what we're told, the more risk you take, generally there'll be a greater return. Mm. Now, that goes, that goes, gets to a certain point where if you take too much risk, <laughs> then you're probably not going to get a return at all. Yeah. So let's maybe talk about why would someone choose to invest over putting their money in a bank account? What's the big picture thing? Yeah, so essentially most people choose to invest to build long-term wealth. Uh, some people do 
try and gain the system and make a quick buck, but it, mm. it doesn't generally work unless you've got some whiz-bang method that we don't know about. But mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, generally people are investing to build long-term wealth and it's putting your capital at risk over a long period of time um, and you're really doing it because you think based on past performance and things like that, that you're going to be able to do better than a savings account. Yeah. And I think, th- so just to give you ch- common, uh, common examples, we've got share market, we've got property markets, we've got things called bonds, which most of us don't buy directly, but we have exposure through super or whatever. And then we'll have other things that are kind of like variations or what we call private equity. There's a whole host of things that uh, you could classify as an investment. And the way I would probably frame what is an investment and what's speculation, so mm. what's n- something that's not going to, I suppose, not, it's not a conventional way to invest money, is does the thing that you're investing in, does it have a somewhat predictable return and does it pay you dividends or cash? So property pays you rent if you own it, dividends pay you, uh, shares pay you dividends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, things like managed funds pay you distributions, index funds pay you distributions, Cash accounts, like the more exotic variety, pay you regular uh, distributions. So these are things that you can look at and you can go, I'm going to get a return from that and I can see where the return's coming from. Speculation, on the other hand, is trying to just bet on like something that's going to go up. Yeah. So in my mind, people will disagree with me on, on this, is like something like cryptocurrencies and that craze that we had a few years ago, that is speculation, not investing because you're just simply gambling on a higher price. There's no, you can't say... I expect this return in this time frame. And I think that's an important distinction. Yeah. So when we're we're talking about investing on the podcast, we're generally going to be excluding speculations. That's right. Yeah. And there's, you know, speculation can work, but it's just the odds are stacked against you, at least from what I've seen. So the first thing is that we wanted to, the first myth that we wanted to bust, if you like, is it's like gambling. Have you heard this? Yeah. I've, I've, very common, very yeah. common. Or some people just call it educated gambling. That's right, yeah. And it's kind of like or like the socially acceptable form of gambling. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, to an extent, everything is a form of gambling. I suppose mm-hmm. if you take risk, there's a risk that you won't get your money back when you invest, just like there is when you put some stakes on the, the horses or whatever. Yeah. But I suppose the difference is that when you invest, you, you can afford to think a bit more what we call probabilistically. So you can think that there's, it's probable that I'll get a return. And whereas if you are speculating or you're gambling, you probably don't know what it is. You're probably just basing it on a hunch or, you know, which way the wind's blowing today kind of thing. So I think when people say it's like gambling, that generally comes from a place of, you know, people are carrying with them this idea that's not true and it's unhealthy to do because the people that tell you these things are normally the people that have lost money. Yeah. And the way that they've lost money is they normally don't understand what's going on. And as soon as you don't understand anything, it, it all just appears like magic, mm-hmm. right? And they've just jumped onto a trend or the barbecue stock tip. That's right, yeah. Pretty common. Yeah, your brother-in-law gives you a tip. He's, you know, he's buying it, so it sounds good and whatever. But those, that's where you go from that line from investing to speculation. Mm. And you're just really just guessing. Yep. And I think a common example is shares. People forget that shares just represent an ownership of a business and – you know, they think just because the share price bounces around every day that that's investing. It's really not. You'd, if you focus on the business as opposed to the shares, you probably it's more investing than it is speculation. Yeah. And that's where you mentioned it earlier on. You said long term, and that's a fundamental difference between gambling and investing. Yeah. Is you know the time frame. Okay. So what about do you want to bust this myth? Someone says to you, and this is, they're talking about investing. They say, "Quote, 
I don't know enough. It's not my passion, yeah. end quote. I guess that's the one I sort of harp on a lot about to my friends is that everyone pretty much starts from a place of not knowing anything about it because you don't you don't get born with this innate knowledge of the share market. No. You don't get born wanting to trade stocks or anything like that. It's something that everyone has. It's a human developed system and that we, we, um, we have to learn. And I think Owen and I have both, well, you did some courses, but mm. I, I learned mostly just through Google and a lot of research. And I think even if it's not something that interests you and it's not your passion. You need to know enough that you don't get taken advantage of yep. and you can make some smart financial decisions with. So um, some of these episodes will really help and we've got a lot of resources online, but even if it's not your passion or you don't know enough, it doesn't mean you can't invest. And a lot of people in all walks of life have managed to invest and have built wealth over the long time. And it, you don't need to be from a financial background. You don't need a lot of money. It's, it's really easy to get started. Yeah, that's right. I liken it to, say, health. You know, you don't need to be a doctor to know that eating Big Macs all day is going to be bad for you. Yeah. So, you know, just like with money, you don't, you don't need to be an expert to know that paying excessive fees to someone else is going to be mm. bad for you. There's some really simple things that if you just put in a little bit of time to understand some of these minor details or important details but minor, you can really get by and you can do well enough. Yeah. And some of the people... I found with my investing experience, and I've spoken to a lot of investors in my time, it's often not the smartest people that make the most money. It's the people that have the right behavior. Yeah. And they're just, they're, you know, they've got, you know they're, they're curious and they just want to know how things work. So the next one is, Kate, let's bust this one, is, quote, I don't have enough money. It's only for rich people, end quote. Yeah. So I think that's definitely changed a lot over time. And, and now there's apps you can get started with just $5. But even even if you've just figured out that ETF you want to get. Most brokerage sites are letting you buy parcels of $500 at a time of shares. And it's really, it's even, and even managed funds have lowered their entry points. So it's more accessible than ever to get started with a lower base. And investing is definitely not for rich people. Maybe that's how they got there, but you can definitely get started at any stage. Yeah, I think that's a good point. The ri- rich people understand how money works. This mm. is this old Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. Is that the rich people understand how investing works and that's what keep that's what that's how they get rich or that's how they stay yeah. rich poor people don't understand how it works or they're put off with something and that's why they stay poor yeah so it's about breaking down that barrier it's not only for rich people 500 bucks you can get started in shares less if you want to use one of these other apps really really good and um you know we've got loads more resources in the uh, show notes okay so this is another myth uh what would you say to someone who says i can't do it by myself yeah so you definitely can uh, anyone can just create a brokerage account, no charge. You can download any of these apps. You can start learning by yourself. You don't necessarily need someone to take you and show you all the steps. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of resources online. You just need to be prepared to learn and put a little bit of effort in and just really sort to start to understand the, the core concepts. And hmm. you don't have to get that complicated. You don't need to be able to find the next best stock. There's simple tools such as exchange traded funds, which we'll talk about in later episodes, that really um, with just one one share, you can get exposure to the whole stock market. That's right, yeah. And I think there's something to be said here too that if you do do it yourself, it's going to be a lot cheaper yeah. than if you do it through someone else. And I'm talking thousands of dollars potentially. Mm. But the thing is, like Kate said, you don't need to keep it. You don't need to be you know, a PhD in economics yeah. to work it out. It's really not that bad. And you've got super there as well. So you've already, chances are you're already investing. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll cover a lot of these core concepts. But what about when someone says, 
I'll never have any money, so why should I even bother learning about it? Yeah, I think I think often I've heard a lot of family members say that they often use that statement to just put it off because they they just spent fifty dollars on that night out or a hundred dollars mm. on that bag and but the the thought of actually building up wealth over a long time seems impossible, so they'll just do nothing. Mm. And it's really those the same with paying down debt and saving that emergency fund. It's taking small actionable steps regularly that start to have a positive snowballing effect to actually building up that wealth over a long time. So mm. you've, you've just got to start small with whatever you can and the same with learning and the same with savings and um, just to start building up that knowledge. You don't suddenly suddenly know it all at once. It's a slow, gradual process. Oh, for sure. And the, 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 the key phrase is little bits, lots of times. Yeah. So some people come into some money, they might have, say, $10,000 and they think, I'll just go invest it. And I'd say to someone in that situation, well, don't actually. It might sound like a really smart idea to just go and invest some money, but instead of putting it all in at once, why not just let it trickle in over time? Mm-hmm. So a thousand bucks this month, a thousand bucks, until you get that ten thousand dollars out of savings and into investing. The reason I say that is because oftentimes when people come into money, they don't form the right habits, or they invest right at the wrong time. So when everything feels good and it's looking rosy, that's right yeah. before it then crashes, <laughs> and then they just pull it all out and they've got five thousand left. So that's, you know, it's it's about making those tiny little changes, and I've given. An example this week when I was doing a presentation, it's a, I was talking to vet graduates and said a thousand bucks a month. If you can put that away and you can, it can be invested at 10%, right? This is very round numbers. So a thousand bucks a month, 10%. Over 30 years, that turns into about 1.9 million, yeah. right? But the question is, you know, most people graduate from uni and then they say, oh, I'll wait seven years or whatever until I'm 30 and then I'll start saving. So let's say that exact same example, 10%, that's what the investment is earning. Uh, instead of $1,000 a month, $2,000 a month, over that same time horizon, that person will actually come out with less than the person that started today with 1000 So they they deposit yeah. you know, 2000 instead of 1000 but they still come out with less. <laughs> and that's just the idea that you know small amounts, lots of times, and starting now is a really good way to do it. So um, I think we've debunked this myth about why cash is not king. Can you get inside the mind perhaps of someone that, is sitting on cash at the moment, what would you do if you were to tell, like what would you do to make that person feel more comfortable investing? What would you say to them? What are, what are some good resources that they could go to? Yeah, I think um, this Vanguard published some really good uh, graphs that really show what cash has done since the 1900s to date and what investing in multiple, the share market, the property market, Australia, US has done. And it's I think that graph really explains it well to anyone um, it might mm. be something you want to get and show to family. I'll put a note in the comments. But it shows you what cash has done and what every other asset class has done. And it's really, I think it really explains the whole thing of why cash is not king. And with inflation, um, your cash is going backwards. Yeah, so inflation, just to fill everyone in, is the the, the rising cost of living your life effectively. Yeah. So if a coffee is a dollar today, it's a dollar twenty tomorrow. That's a really bad example, but you just that natural rising of prices. Yeah. So like your parents might have told you they used to buy lollies for one cent, and now they're maybe twenty or thirty cents for one single candy. Yeah. That's I guess that's a very basic example. And how milk used to be mm. maybe fifty cents, and now we're two dollars, two dollars fifty. It shows you that living costs rise over time. So if you've just got your money invested in cash, just earning really basic interest rate. Your not your money's not actually going to be worth as much in 
20, 30 years' time. Yeah, especially if you consider you pay tax on interest, right? Mm. So, that's, um, so that's probably why you could consider looking outside of cash. I would say one thing to do is just to put some time aside. But you're already listening to this podcast. So that's a great step. And keep listening. But uh, I would say, you know, if you commute to work, listen to something for 15 minutes or read something for 15 minutes. It's not a massive thing to do. Mm. Just a little bit of time. It doesn't cost you anything just to see what people have to say, read about investing, read about budgeting, read about ways to save money. Yeah, and every everyone you listen and read to will have slightly different methods and steps mm. that they use. Um, a lot of people will write online about how they got started investing or paying off debt or whatever it is. And even just giving a few of those a go and listening to them will give you some different ideas on how you personally might want to get started and develop your own uh, strategy and your own approach to investing because there's so many so many different approaches to it. Mm. Um, and some we'll discuss in this series, but it's it's, you've got to work out what works for you and what you're comfortable with and you still want to be able to sleep at night. That's right. So I just want to add one more thing before we get to um, how you can contact us. But one thing is the difference between saving and investing in my mind is quite simple. If you go to a supermarket and you look at all the products on the shelf, if you buy that, that money goes to the supermarket, but then the supermarket pays the company that made those products. You can own a tiny part of every one of those things. So every one of those products on the shelf could be listed on the stock exchange. For example, you know, if Mars, the product that makes Mars bars, the company that makes Mars bars, they're partly owned by Berkshire Hathaway, which is Warren Buffett's company, and you can buy shares in that company. Or, you know, the supermarket, most Australian supermarkets are on the stock exchange. So what the, the difference is, and it's a subtle one, is that you go from being a consumer in the economy to being an owner. In the economy, and that's a big step, and it's a really cool thing to know that when you pick up your Apple iPhone or you pick up your Microsoft laptop, that you own part of that company. Yeah, and just even have a look at some of the objects you use in your everyday life: Netflix, Apple. They're all all investable companies, so mm. you can actually be a part owner of these things. You sure can. So, Kate, can people ask us questions? I mean, we're going to dig into a lot more of this in detail yeah. in, the next, in the coming episodes, but can anyone ask us questions? Yeah, if you have questions, feel free to get in touch with Owen or myself. We'll have the details in the comments, but I'm available on Twitter and Instagram at HowToMoneyAustralia. Yep, and I'm at RaskFinance.com and Owen Rask on Twitter. Some action points and some things to take away from this episode are cash is not king. Yes. Um, check your bank. Yep, make sure... Um, the financial institution you have your savings account or your emergency fund with is an authorised deposit-taking institution. Yeah, because that means that uh, there should be the government guarantee, yeah. the seal, if you like. And is investing like gambling? Nope. Okay, cool. We've busted those myths. So, yeah, thanks for listening to the Australian Finance Podcast. Kate, thanks for being with me today. Thanks for listening. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107.
For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.